In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com and get up to 15% off your first purchase as a member with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for up to 15% off your first purchase as a member. Welcome to So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey, presented by Betches Media. This is an exploration of all pop culture, from the classic reality TV moments of the past and present to the latest Daily Mail headlines and everything in between. We'll dive into all the infamous and notorious messes you can't stop watching. We're looking at you, Tom Sandoval. Guys, welcome to an all-new So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. This is your pal Ryan, and this is your Wednesday episode. It's Wednesday. You did it. You made it halfway through the week. I didn't think we'd get here. I got to be honest with you. I tried to talk you know, positive on Monday and say, hey, you got this. But I got to tell you, deep within, I was like, I don't know. I don't know if we got it. I don't know if we can get through the week. But now we're here at Wednesday, and we are definitely getting through the week. How the heck is everybody doing? Oh my goodness, you guys. It is one in the morning. I had quite a night. I, I've got to tell you. I like that I get to do this at the very usually end of my night. I put these together. Uh, and it becomes like this kind of like personal journal of, of the, my day's events, actually. But what a night, folks. And it kind of ties in with our guest today, who we are just so lucky to have. I am still shocked I got to speak with our guest, but. I've been talking about this movie I went and saw a screening of last week called Saltburn with uh, Jacob Elordi and Barry Keoghan and, I mean, just an insanely good cast. But I saw this because I knew I was going to speak to the director and writer of Saltburn, uh, Emerald Fennell, um, today. Uh, and so I saw it last week. They wanted me to see it. And I was like, hell yeah, like, I want to see this. And then uh, I went and saw it again tonight at the actual, the premiere of the movie, the, the 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 big Hollywood premiere, which we're allowed to have big Hollywood premieres now because the the uh, the strike is over, the Screen Actors Guild strike is over, and so the stars were out, folks. Not just old Ryan Bailey, but you had Jacob Elordi, you had Barry Keoghan. You had Margot Robbie, who is a producer on this film, was there. Oh, my God, you guys. So I went and saw the movie a second time, and I found it even more powerful the second time. But I got to tell you, and, and first off, you know, welcome to the show. Hi. Hello. How are you? Uh, we'll be doing the Salt Lake recap on Thursday and the Beverly Hills recap on Friday. But we're going to talk a little bit about movies today. Um, and what I love about this audience in particular is that we like it all. We like pop culture. We like music. We like movies. We like TV. We like books. And I love uh, that you guys allow me to cover all of it because I'm truly excited about all of it. I've spoken to you about my love of movies throughout the last four years of doing this, um, but it was always one of my first loves. Being able to go into a movie theater, I remember going into a movie theater as a kid. And just feeling like it was like the sacred place. 
And I've talked many times on the show over the last couple of years, especially during the pandemic, that I was really scared that we were going to lose movie theaters in a sense. Because, you know, you always have the Marvel movies, of course. Those are still huge, like action movies, Marvel movies, these kind of tentpole, tentpole films, sequels, things of that nature. But I was scared we were going to lose out on like interesting films, films that made you want to lean in, films that kind of stuck with you, films that I grew up with. Uh, Saltburn is a very interesting movie because if I saw this movie when I was 18, I would have probably made it my entire personality for a year. You know, was that you remember those movies where you're just like, holy shit, I just saw something very unique. It felt very true to me and I loved everything about it. And I was just. Saltburn did that for me. This movie, it, it comes out this Friday in select cities and everywhere on Thanksgiving. Um, and uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a trip, you guys. It's a wild movie. But back to movie going experiences, right? Please tell me you guys love going to movies. I mean, I know they've made it so difficult for us to go and enjoy movies and theaters, but I feel like it's one of those things we have to support. I don't want going to movie theaters to be a dying art form. I don't mean the movies themselves. I mean, going to the theater, going to the theater, getting your popcorn, getting your soda, sitting in a dark room with people, which now when I say that out loud, it sounds a little scary, (laughs) a little creepy. Sure. But there is something magical. I mean, I think that's what I was even talking about yesterday and just that terms of connection of feeling less alone. And there's nothing better than being able to watch a director's vision And uh, somebody that wrote something for us to watch, for us to experience, and for us to experience in a movie theater together. I I think we're so used to these personal viewing experiences, which I don't knock on because, my God, thank God for those things. But there is something different. You know, I'm so glad I got to see this movie twice because the first time I saw it, I talk about it with Emerald today. I saw it with, uh, I think, critics, and then they let in a bunch of like, I think younger girls who were kind of like squealing every time Jacob Elordi came on uh, screen because he's he's a handsome, tall drink of water. Let's be honest, folks. Folks, summer is just around the corner, so it's time to say goodbye to those jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Now, I wanted to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, and luckily, I found Quince. Now, I have a lineup of timeless pieces I want that will keep me looking fresh year after year. I got a pair of tan shorts. I got a pair of green shorts. I cannot wait to style these for summer. And I gotta tell you, the quality is great because Quince has all the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos, and versatile flow knit activewear. The best part? All Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman by partnering directly with top factories and passes that savings on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So you can feel good about what you're wearing on every level. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com slash so bad for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash so bad to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash so bad. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. 
So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. But, um, it, you know, I, I thought that was a great experience, but then seeing it tonight, it was, I mean, it was full. It was at the Ace Theater downtown. The Ace Hotel has this beautiful theater, and I've seen a, a couple of concerts there. I've seen a stand-up show there. It's a really beautiful theater, and it's so gothic in its look, the theater itself, which is perfect for this movie, Saltburn. But it was packed. And it was so great to see this movie because I I wanted to see it again to see if I felt the same way. But what was so cool about it was hearing a packed audience that wanted to see this movie, laughing at the right moments, being shocked at the right moments. Uh, you know, you saw lines that I didn't really realize were as funny as they were when I saw them with an audience. It, you know, I was like, oh, my God, that's hysterical. And I was just, I, I was like, a, to, not to be foul, I was a pig in shit. I was enjoying the experience so much. But also, aside from the, the movie itself, I want to celebrate like the magic of movies. I know that sounds so cheesy, but there is a magic in there. There is a magic. And I think I sometimes get worried that, you know, in this day of TikTok and YouTube and all of this stuff, I don't want to... I don't want to have going to a movie theater become something of like the days of yore of like, oh, God, you go to a movie theater. I was talking to my niece and nephew, I think, over the summer and uh, I was talking to them and they were explaining, yeah, we, you know, uh, movies are OK. Movies are OK. But we watch, you know, we watch uh, the YouTube or we watch, you know, they were explaining what they watch. And I just got really scared. Cause I wanted to hold them down and make them watch like the Godfather trilogy and then make them watch boogie nights. And then, I mean, they're not even old enough to see any of these films. <laughs> I wanted to hold them down and make sure I would never be able to hang out with them again. But I just can tell you so many movie going experiences that have changed me on a molecular level and has enriched my life has made me laugh. And I don't even mean just highbrow movies. I mean, God, I remember seeing Dumb and Dumber in the theaters the weekend it came out and just laughing my ass off. I mean, just that experience, though, of laughing. I mean, I remember seeing There's Something About Mary. Remember that Ben Stiller, Cameron Diaz movie? I remember seeing that. I was in Chicago. I was teaching. I was really young, but I was teaching this cherub program at Northwestern University. And I was so lonely and I was so broke and I had money to see um, one movie. And I chose there's something about Mary because I heard it was really funny. And I remember going to that and it just, it, it, I was so, I, I just remember feeling so low. I didn't really know anybody out there except for my best friend. And I remember he was away because uh, he was going to the art Institute of Chicago. And I remember seeing this and I just, I forgot about all the shit I had been worried about. I just laughed my ass off. And then I actually snuck into Lethal Weapon 4. Yeah, I did that. I snuck into another movie after because I couldn't afford it. But I was like, hey, let's keep this party going. Didn't like that nearly as much as there's something about Mary. But I can tell you so many experiences through my life that I have had at the movie theaters. You know, of taking somebody that you love to the movie theater. Of, of going to the movie theater with your friends or even going to the movie theater by yourself. I don't mind seeing movies by myself at all. 
But it's one of those things that I hope you guys feel the same. And I think sometimes, especially because of what we've been through the last couple of years, we sometimes forget about that. And when we go to the movie theaters, it's because we, you know, it's because, oh my God, the new Marvel movie's out. Oh my God. I have to go see this or I have to go see that. Like, I mean, listen, this summer I was so encouraged because of Barbenheimer, because of Barbie and Oppenheimer being released on the same weekend. And I saw both of them the same weekend. And I love both of them. And they're very, very different movies. But I got excited because people got excited to see movies again in the movie theater. And I think that is a very powerful thing that I was encouraged that I'm like, okay, good. All we need to do is make really good movies. We need to make really good movies that bring people back and make people forget sometimes about Marvel superheroes. I know I keep seeing it saying Marvel, but it is I'm listening to a book about Marvel Studios right now and their movie making process. And I've seen most Marvel movies and I enjoy a lot of them. But I did notice a certain problem when you have these movies that cost so much and they are expected to earn their budget back within the first weekend. And if, and if you don't, you're considered a failure. I mean, the Marvel's movie, which is a MCU, a Marvel, uh, you know, a Marvel movie came out this, this weekend with Brie Larson and it only made $45 million this weekend, you guys. And I know what you're thinking at home. You're thinking $45 million. My God, that sounds like an insane amount of money because it is an insane amount of money. But it's considered a failure because the lowest uh, lowest earning Marvel movie, I think potentially of all time, but $45 million to any other movie would be considered a smashing success. And then you kind of got the stink on this movie because people are saying, oh, it didn't make a lot of money. It didn't make a lot of money. Money is not the only thing, is not the only rubric in which we are to judge these things. It's in how it makes you feel. And don't let anybody tell you because of some bad review or because how much money a movie makes that you shouldn't be going to see a movie. Go, like I always say with this show, like follow your bliss, follow what makes you happy. If you don't like this show, don't listen to it. If you, if you like this other show, listen to it. Go with what makes you happy. But movies have always made me happy. I mean, even bad movies, even bad movies, I still am like, well, I saw a movie today. That's pretty damn exciting because movies are magic. Movies are magic. And uh, I was so thankful to be able to see this film tonight. I'll tell you a little bit more about the premiere after we do this interview. Um, I want to speak a little bit about the film really quick. Um, so this is kind of a black comedy psychological thriller. It's written, directed, and produced by Emerald Fennell, who we talk with today. The film stars Barry Keoghan, who I thought, if you guys have not seen The Banshees of Inna Sharon with Colin Farrell, it was such an effing good movie. Barry Keoghan was uh, nominated for an Academy Award this past year. He also had a very tiny part in the latest Batman movie with Robert Pattinson as the Joker. Yeah, the Joker shows up at the very end of uh, the Batman movie and he does great. But Barry Keoghan is just an insanely good actor. And Saltburn, he gives, I think, a career defining performance. You have Jacob Elordi, of course, from Euphoria and most recently Priscilla, 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 Priscilla. You know, he's in that Priscilla movie, uh, Rosamund Pike. Rosamund Pike is in this. And Rosamund Pike, listen, Gone Girl by David Fincher is one of my favorite David Fincher movies. You guys have all seen that. Ben Affleck, she plays the lead and she just is insanely good in that movie. She's in this movie. You got Richard E. Grant. You got Allison Oliver, who uh, 
I believe she's in this this show called Conversations with Friends based on the Sally Rooney I, I, book, I think. But I have not seen that. And now I'm going to go see that or watch that show because Allison Oliver, I thought, was just blew me away. I brought her up to, to Emerald because I feel like the guys in this movie are getting a lot of attention. But she I mean, just what an amazing performance. Um so it's set in England in around like 2006, 2007, and it follows a young university student who becomes infatuated, I guess is the word, with an aristocratic schoolmate and his wealthy but eccentric family. And uh, this is like kind of the log line of the movie. Struggling to find his place at Oxford University, Oliver Quick, played by Barry Keoghan, finds himself drawn into the world of the charming and aristocratic Felix Catton, who invites him invites him to Saltburn, his eccentric family's sprawling estate for a summer never to be forgotten. So that's the log line of the movie. But this movie, I mean, there are so many shades of different movies or different experiences that I almost think probably the director might disagree with. But there's a little bit of Heathers, that movie with Winona Ryder and Christian Slater that I loved growing up. There's a little bit of talented Mr. Ripley in here. I mean, the visuals are just so insanely good. But by the way, this this movie movie is uh unforgiving and it's it's punishing it's not an easy movie it's not an easy movie you gotta give yourself over to this movie but there is just this magic and the rhythm i mean the cinematography is just so beautiful uh carrie mulligan is also in this now carrie mulligan um she only has three scenes in this movie and she kills but carrie mulligan she was in emerald Fennell's first film called promising young woman and if that sounds familiar, it should sound familiar because that movie, I believe, came out in 2021 and earned Emerald Vanell a best uh, Oscar for best original screenplay. So you guys, we're talking to an effing Oscar winner. So Bad It's Good has an Oscar winner on it today. Can you believe that? Can you believe that? But I watched Promising Young Woman again this weekend. And listen, I only had 20 minutes with Emerald. And I I got to tell you, I hope I become so successful one day that I can talk with her for an hour. Because my God, I just have so many questions for her. I have so many questions. What a career this woman has had. She started off, Emerald, the director, started off, she's a writer, uh, she's also an actor. You might have seen her in The Crown, which actually has its new season premiering on Thursday. And then part two of The Crown's final season premieres in December. It's going to be a lot of Crown, but she played Camilla Parker Bowles in The Crown and was nominated for an Emmy. She was also, uh, she worked on Killing Eve, another amazing show. She was also on uh, a show that you can find on Netflix called Call the Midwife. I mean, what an amazing career this woman has had, and she is still so insanely young. But I think she deserves to be in the same breath as people like Paul Thomas Anderson to me. Like, I think she is in that. I cannot wait to see what this woman does next, and I will follow her into the dark. I, I will now watch anything this woman does. Does. Promising Young Woman, what, I mean, you guys remember that movie. If you haven't, go watch it. It is such a dark comedy and it means so much. There is such an undercurrent of darkness and beauty to that movie at the same time being so wickedly funny. Woo! But uh, Emerald Fennell wrote and directed and produced this. And also, so the Promising Young Woman was produced uh, with Lucky Chap Entertainment, which also produced this film. And that's where Margot Robbie comes into play because Margot Robbie's uh, production company is Lucky Chap Entertainment. She runs that with uh, with her dude, Tom Ackerley. 
And uh, she was there at the premiere tonight. My goodness. But Margot Robbie, I want to, I mean, what an amazing career she has, of course, with all the films and Barbie, I mean, being a billion dollar smash success, which her company produced as well. But what I love about Margot Robbie is she's making such interesting choices in what Lucky Chap is producing. They are producing some just top tier entertainment. These are not movies that are just disposable that'll be thrown away. There's a lot of movies out there. You're like, okay, I watched it. Forget it. Kind of like, you know, certain Netflix reality series where you watch it, forget it, moving on. It's nice, but you don't remember it. But Margot Robbie's production company, pay attention to it. Pay attention to what Lucky Chap produces because it's always something very interesting. It's a little risky, but at the heart, it's like really dealing with very talented people. So it's investing in brilliance. And I think that is so amazing. It's going to set her apart from everybody out there and all these other big name actors who have production companies. I think you're going to see Margot Robbie's production company really do amazing work over the next two decades. I mean, truly, truly amazing work. You guys, you can hear how passionate I am. I geek out. You know, it's so funny. People, you know, I love talking reality shows and that's a lot of my my bread and butter on this this show, but it is, there's so much to love out there in entertainment and film is just one of those. So thank you for allowing me to talk about this stuff today. Um, so Emerald Fennell, we're going to talk to her right now. Like I said, we just got 20 minutes and I was just so excited. I also got to do a virtual press conference this weekend where I got to uh, I got to ask a question of Rosamund Pike, the actor, and also Emerald Fennell was on that as well with one of the producers. And I, uh, I think I mentioned this already, but I will say that it's a little dream of mine. I, I knew about these like press conferences for films, like growing up being a film lover, I would just devour anything film related and anything like I would like entertainment tonight or any of these things when they had asked questions to actors and directors, I was like, I want to be where that happens. I want to be where that happens. Wow. And I got to do this virtual press conference and it was delightful, but I also would just geek out on it. I want to explain also, you guys probably already know this, but if you don't making a film, is just one of the hardest things that you can imagine. And I know you're like, oh my God, the glitz and glamour, but you don't sometimes understand what really goes into film. How many, like stay around for the credits one time and count how many people work on a film, how many people are setting those lights up, how many people are making uh, the costumes, how many people are, I mean, just so many departments that go into creating a singular vision, which is the director. And uh, Rosamund Pike said in the virtual press conference, because I, you know, I think I asked something about going there, you know, what it takes to go there because you're, you're dealing with some really painful subjects and having to deal with some really intense scenes. But she just said, we all did it for Emerald. We all wanted to give our best for Emerald, the director, because we believed in her vision. And I think that is so important. That is so important in art. It's important in anything, but I just think it is one of those things. It is like a, you know, it's, it's, somebody going into one of the hardest experiences creating a film and being the head of everything and everybody looking to you for every decision, you know, delegating all of this stuff like that stuff fascinates me what goes into this. And what's so cool about Emerald 
is she comes from an acting background. So she can speak to Jacob Lordy, Barry Keoghan, Rosamund Pike, Richard E. Grant, all of these amazing actors. She can speak their language. She can pull performances out of actors that other directors are not able to do. And I think that's why she's a triple threat in a lot of ways, because she has such a great, keen, intense visual style. But on the flip side of that, she has such, she's an actor's director. You can tell, you can tell that she gets performances out of people. And that's why, I mean, think this is her second damn film. I just get so excited because I'm like, where is she going to go from here? Because Promising Young Woman, if you've seen that, and Saltburn, when you see this, two very different films. I mean, both serious subjects matters or actually deals with serious subject matter, but very different visual uh, style. She wrote both of them. You know, but also very unique voices. The sense of humor is the thing that I think is the through line to both of these films because she just has the most wicked, delightful sense of humor. But it just, I keep bringing up Paul Thomas Anderson. And I, I the only reason I bring that up because I thought Boogie Nights was his first film. I mean, I guess there was this film called Hard Eight uh, before that with John C. Riley and Gwyneth Faltrow, actually, but not a lot of people saw that. But Boogie Nights was the one that really put him on the map. But then he put Boogie Nights and then he went into a film called Magnolia with Tom Cruise, Julianne Moore, Philip Seymour Hoffman. And I remember just being blown away that that film. And that movie was over three hours long, but it was like, wow, like, you know, what a big swing on his second, you know, well, his third movie, but a lot of people consider it his second. But to me, Saltburn is such a big swing. In fact, I told her that in the beginning, and she might not even agree with that or even think it's a big swing because it's so personal and real for her. But to me, it's just a big swing. It's like a jump up in terms of the visual style from Promising Young Woman. I know as I say this, you guys are probably like, this guy is severely geeking out. My God, take a chill pill. But it gets me so excited. So anyways, let's get to this. The film is called Saltburn. Comes out in select cities this Friday and then everywhere over Thanksgiving. But I am just so blessed today to have um, somebody that I think is just going to keep going up and up and up and up and up. And uh, so bad it's good is very uh, blessed to have Emerald Fennell on today. Here she is. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You guys, welcome back to So Bad It's Good, presented by Betches Media. Okay, remember when movies stayed with you? Remember when you actually went to the movies and you felt something? Well, that is where I have been living this entire week since I saw this new movie called Saltburn. I don't think I will ever be able to leave Saltburn. Uh, we are so privileged to speak to our guest today. She is the writer and director of this movie. She's an actor having appeared in uh, The Crown and Barbie as Midge, but she is also uh, an Academy Award winning <laughs> writer for Best Original Screenplay for 2020's Promising Young Woman, which she also directed. She is back with a vengeance writing and directing this new movie called Saltburn out this week, which stars Jacob Elordi and Barry Keoghan, the one and only Emerald Fennell. Emerald, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I love that introduction. Can you just come with me everywhere I go? Can you come well, with you... me to like my parents' house? Yeah, please. Uh, <laughs> she is entering the room, the Fennells. Yeah, yeah no. Uh, 
Um, I watched Promising Young Woman again last night, and I was just thinking what a big swing this is for a second movie. Like, this is a huge swing, and you hit it. Like, was there any trepidation? Because this material is dark and beautiful and gothic. What made you want to have Saltburn as your second project? I mean, I think I think I'm... I'm only really interested in making stuff that makes you feel something, you know, that makes me feel something. And so um, I'd been thinking about Saltburn for a long time and kind of living in the house by myself with those characters for like, I don't know, seven or eight years now. And it's never immediately clear what is going to be the next thing. I I wish I could be strategic about it, but I can't. And so I, um, I think, though, that it makes sense that Saltburn was the thing that I wrote during COVID, given that it is a movie about looking but not being able to touch. And, you know, it's a movie about, I guess, to some degree, fluids and bodily. <laughs> Especially <laughs> in bathtubs. That, yeah. yeah. Well, given that we were bleaching groceries and terrified of even seeing each other, even breathing on each other, I suppose now it makes sense to me that this was the movie I wanted to make, which is a movie, yeah, about kind of what how how insane you become when you cannot touch the thing you want to touch. And Saltburn itself, you know, this place that they all go to is so massive and huge and lonely and gothic and beautiful. Um, I, 2006, this movie takes place in. Uh, why 2006? Because I thought such an interesting time period before we really like Instagram took hold of us. Because I was like, oh, my God, imagine all the Instagram photos that would be taken at Saltburn. Why 2006 for you? Well, you know, it's it's set for the most part in the summer of 2007, which I chose because it was exactly 15 years before we shot the movie. And the thing about 15 years ago is it looks super lame wherever you are in time because the trends haven't come back yet. Everything's still in your wardrobe, but you kind of don't like it anymore. It's just a very, very <laughs> kind of visceral feeling of you know, the very, very recent past where everything feels like at once very familiar, but also kind of alien. And I think I really wanted, you know, I wanted this very beautiful place fulfilled with very beautiful people in these very timeless backdrops to feel very, very, very much of its time. And I think that, you know, it it makes a huge difference when the most beautiful people in the world have like Livestrong bracelets and (laughs) and, yeah. Terrible bat wing <laughs> tops with like ten thousand scarves. You know, it was just like it was the time of the skinny scarf, and that really that hits home. And because of the nature of the kind of the genre, this movie sort of takes it. You know, takes its lead from is that kind of gothic. You know, country house, British country house gothic. So it's sort of you know things like Brideshead revisited and the Go Between, and they all. You know, it's a very specific gothic trope that you have your narrator telling you about a time in their past that kind of completely upended their life. And so so it was sort of necessary because of the structure of the film right away it needed to be in the past. So I mean, you know, 2007, what a what a year. What a time. I, I it took me back and it also the music in this took me back. Like I as soon as I heard Block Party, Arcade Fire, I mean, it, the music just like I, I went back to that time and I was telling my friends who I used to go to Coachella's with. I was like, guys, I saw this movie and it just I, I didn't realize 15 years have passed. I didn't realize all this time had passed until I saw this movie and it locked me in so much. But even music, Murder on the Dance Floor, I don't want to give anything away, but what a great song to 
put in this movie and especially the way you do it. I mean, how important is music to you in these things? Uh, because it just seems like that was even crafted so meticulously. Thank you. No, I mean, look, music is is one of the most like significant weapons that you have, you know, as a filmmaker. And it's the place that I start. I, I make playlists you know, I had a Saltburn playlist that I listened to for, yeah, for eight years, which was the thing that kind of got me into, it's the sort of thing, it kind of the meditative without sounding too much of a wanker, this <laughs> thing that kind of like gets me into the world is the, is the, is the playlist. And then, and then, yeah, I mean, what's really interesting about the music of the time is that it, it, it well, some of it has, has some of the bands have like outlasted the era. But actually what you find is a lot of them had this like one or two unbelievable albums and then they kind of disappeared or for whatever reason they went in different directions. And so the music of the time stayed there to some degree, you know, and we tried to make sure that we at least chose chose bands or artists who kind of felt very much of their time. But it's kind of important to me, I always, for the first assemblies, the first few assemblies of the movie, maybe the first five, six times I watched the movie as a whole in the edit, um, we use no music at all, no temp music, no pop music, even though often it's in the script, um, because I need to know that it, I really need to know that it works narratively and kind of emotionally without music. Because the moment you have block parties, this modern love, <laughs> it's over. crying, you know, it's yeah. the most beautiful <laughs> song in the world. It truly, truly is. Um, uh, I was thinking about the characters. I mean, the characters, each one of these people stays with us after the film. Uh, Barry Keoghan uh, plays our, our kind of our narrator in the uh, Oliver. But uh, each one of these characters, I was thinking that like, man, we could have a Saltburn extended universe. You could live. You could see the point of view of each one of these characters. And I was thinking about Jacob Elordi because I saw a screening with a lot of critics, I think. But then I saw it with a bunch. Like There was also like a lot of 16-year-old girls. And the moment Jacob Elordi comes on screen, there was squeals. There was, <laughs> like, there was... I was like, how powerful is this? And he's that character, you guys, that like when he shines his light on you, you feel insanely special and seen. And I think we all have that person in our lives. Who is that person in your life I was thinking about? or And then I was thinking, because I saw Rosamund Pike talk, and they said, she's like, we do it for Emerald. We go there for Emerald. And I was like, are you Jacob Elordi to all of these people? Like, do you have a Jacob Elordi, uh, a, a Felix in your life? I wish I was. I wish I was Jacob Elordi because he's so lovely and so talented and brilliant. Um, who is, who is that person for me? My mother. Yeah, She's the person, you know, my mother is a person who is so charismatic, so amazing. And, and she, and she and my sister both have this quality where they can get, and it sounds, it sounds, <laughs> makes it sound like they're witches. They kind of are witches. <laughs> get things out of you. You know, they will both they will sit next to somebody at dinner or they will meet somebody on a train and they will know everything. They will know everything about that person. They just draw things out because they have this kind of beautiful, fascinating light. And um, and so I think that kind of, yeah, the kind of charisma, the charisma of Jacob, the charisma of Rosamund and everyone, actually, everyone in the Catton family, but the house too, for the movie to work, we all need to be ready to get on our knees for this place. We all need to feel as an audience that even against our better judgment, knowing that these things are insane and toxic and, and terrible, that we don't fucking care and we want in and we want to 
have sex with all of them, kill all of them, have them all love us back. <laughs> you know, that's the that's that's the only way the movie can work. And yeah, and someone like Jacob is um, is perfect for that role because he is not only so charismatic but such a good actor that the most amazing thing he did was make this person who is like, as you say, just sort of a blinding light, a real person and actually kind of a jerk, (laughs) you know, that's what we really needed. Yeah, no, it it was really amazing. Also, I was just thinking about the faces. I mean, Mr. Keoghan's face, I fell in love with his face during the movie and I can't imagine what it was like for you behind the lens, seeing these people that you wrote come to life, but also his face tells a story and adds so much to the writing. I mean, when did you know this was working when you started filming? Because I imagine going into something like this is a war, but you don't know sometimes if you're going to be able to have victory. When did you know that we are getting what we need to get from these performances? Well, I think honestly, it's so much of it is casting and so much of it is the conversation that you have with with the actors beforehand because that's the thing about all of them is that I want to get into it. You know, I really want to get into it. And that's the thing about making a movie like this is you all have to be, you all have to be kind of walking in exactly the same direction in kind of lockstep. And so when I meet people for the first time, I want to get into it. I want to know, I want to ask questions that are like complicated and difficult. I want to know that we can kind of like get in there. And so that makes, that helps. And also like the thing is with Barry and his face is that there's just no one in the world like him. I don't know that there's ever been anyone like him, you know, and he is, he, he has this thing where the closer you get, and, you know, me and Linus like to get really, really close. You know, we want to see. Who's the cinematographer and just beautiful. I mean, oh, so beautiful, you guys. You're going to love the look of this. The greatest and he's the greatest. And, and, and you know, we get you get so close to Barry. You're kind of practically inside him and you know less. The closer you get, the less yes. you know. And, and, you know, that is so exciting. And I think, honestly, from the first moment, our first, the first shot of the movie that we shot was, there's a shot of Felix of Jacob lying on the floor that they used actually in some of the promos where he's lying on the floor smoking saying it's so fucking hot. Um, (laughs) And you can see, you can see Oliver's um, shadow kind of on the window frame on the, you know, on the floor. And I just, their, their chemistry together, their unbelievable talent, their insane beauty, their very different charismas. I kind of, you know, I knew that we were going to get have something really complicated and interesting from the beginning. But, I mean, you in, know, whether it connects with everyone, you never you can never know, but if but it connected with me, which was, you know, wonderful. Um I I was thinking about uh where this movie uh where this movie's going to land with audiences because now it's out of your hands in a, in a sense. Yeah. Now, now is the fun part in a sense and the scary part because you've been living with Saltburn. You're never going to leave Saltburn, but you've been living with this for eight years. And now this is out into the world after this week. In what way? I mean, do you ever think about this is how I want this to be perceived? Or is are you one of those people that are like, it is yours now. I hope you get something from it, but I will not dictate what I want you to get from this. I think that's such an interesting question because I am in this process in the kind of pub- publicizing thing. Yeah. Part of this, 
you are kind of as a filmmaker expected to dictate or there is a need there is a desire for, from people to be like told what you think and I've kind of always felt like it's not that useful what I think what I think is in the movie and it's necessarily you know there are things that are necessarily unresolved otherwise it's sort of not interesting and you know then you find there's that there are always the things that happen which some people feel it's too resolved some people feel it's not resolved enough and you know that, these things will always be the case <laughs> What I love is when I sit in a in a theatre full of people watching this movie, it is different every time. And the the as you say, the kind of squealing, like that what is so it's like it is kind of like a roller coaster in that you have people like gasping, you have people shouting, you have people screaming, you have people squirming, you have people like unbelievably aroused and other people unbelievably disgusted. And at some <laughs> point what usually happens is the audience kind of turns on itself because people don't feel the other person's response is legitimate. And that goes around and around the room. So some people are laughing and other people are like, shut the fuck up. You know, it's just like, <laughs> I love that. Yes, yes. That's, that's the kind of, you know, this is a movie about power and about sex. And those things can't be simple because they are different for everyone and how they are used, how they are, how they are perceived is different for every single person. But also, you know, we make a movie for people. You make a movie rather than any other thing to be theatrically released so that people can sit in the dark next to strangers that they can hear breathing. And that in itself is kind of a, can be an erotic kind of powerful experience. So I my main goal for this has always been like not to tell people like what to think or how to feel or even if they should like it or not obviously but to go and see it with other people because this that's is what so they yeah this is what they need to air at amc theaters instead of the nicole kidman thing they need to air what you just said of like <laughs> you're sitting in a theater it's very charged because that's what i was i was thinking about the power of going back to a movie theater and how i always tell my audience i don't want that to die it's very important we're so antiseptic in how we view these things now but to go into that theater and have that experience I did have an experience. It was like going to a concert, which I want this to live on forever. That's the exciting part of Saltburn, the movie itself, but also that you can go see it in the theaters this week. Yeah. I mean, how amazing is that? Because we couldn't do that a couple of years ago. Totally. And and that is kind of, I feel like this film is sort of a response to that. And I also, it's a really interesting thing. And I have to remind myself all the time, because obviously... I've got two small children and often the thing that can fall by the wayside is like going to the movie theater because obviously you're like tired and, and, and every, and every bit of time is precious and you want to see your friends and all that kind of stuff. But for me, it's like, it is just what I know is that it is a different experience watching something by myself or just with one other person. It's yeah. not the same. And, and the, the kind of commitment that, that actually going to the movies is still, <laughs> It's not the same as just watching a movie at home. They are two yeah, separate yeah. things. Oh. And so, and I think a lot of the time, you know, I'm reminded and why why like Barbenheimer was so excited was that those films were made to watch in with other people. And yeah, it's it's wonderful that people are going back. And I'm increasingly going to see movies like I saw Bo is Afraid recently. Oh my Epic. God. My favorite film of the year, my biggest obsession. You guys and are Oster. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, wow. it's just the greatest. But, you know, I went to see that at midday. I had a couple of hours off and I went to see it at midday in London and it had already been out for ages and it was packed. You know, it was really packed. People 
people people want that experience. Yeah. I went and saw Stop Making Sense, the re-release, and it was so amazing. Like, people were dancing in the theaters. But I think Saltburn is so worthy of your time to go see. Uh, Just a couple more minutes with you. Um, uh, I don't know if I heard this correctly at the press conference, but Rosman said, did did the actors live at Saltburn or where you shot Saltburn? (laughs) Did they live on set? Um, some did. Yeah. <laughs> some did. I didn't because I, again, <laughs> children and had to go home for bath time. Um, I mean, Rosman did and um, wonderful Paul, who plays the butler, Duncan. Oh, my. Genius. I, I feel he, like he might still be there. I don't think Paul, he, he, he he's never leaving that guy like that. He, that guy's face. Wow. Paul Reese is one of the greatest actors of his generation. And he um, he's also in Napoleon this year. He's so brilliant. And he lived there. And then and then the rest of us all live very close by. So we were all together. You know, and it's a huge thing for me. Making a movie is a privilege. It's really, really difficult, you know, um, not as difficult as like anyone else's job in the world. Of course, <laughs> in terms of like sheer adrenaline and sort of like, you know, di- levels of difficulty and all that kind of stuff, it, it's it's up there. And so you've all got to be in it together. You've got to trust each other. You've got to know that every single person who is on that set is as important as the next person. And so, you know, I have no swanky trailers. Um all of the actors are in the same green room on set. So that so when they have downtime, they're there. Nobody's isolated, marooned in some stupid giant trailer on their own. You know, we all eat together, cast and crew. It's like we are making, we are trying, you know, we're endeavoring to make something beautiful and special and difficult. And you can't do that if everyone is, you know, everyone's uncomfortable. Nobody trusts each other. And it's amazing yeah. how often that, you know, that is the dynamic on a set. I mean, you can feel the dynamic you set up in every frame of this film. Also, I just wanted to give a special shout out to the audience. When you see this, Alison Oliver gives uh, uh, just yeah. an amazing performance. I feel like she is not being brought up enough, because, but like, my God, that she has stayed with me so much. Thank you. Yes. I mean, because she is, I think she's one of the, I mean, I've never seen anyone like her. And the I same mean, with really? Archie, who plays Farley, another person, you know, he was in Gran Turismo as well. And wow, he is unbelievable both of them just just remarkable and he wears the iconic dump him britney spears shirt in the movie you guys i I mean that's how she knows her pop culture britney will never leave she will never not be in my cinematic world i love her well oh hey listen they're optioning her book right now this this (laughs) could be the third project um uh you guys saltburn is such it's so worthy of your time like you said it's an experience in fact i got lost at universal after i saw it and i got lost in the parking structure and i was just walking around and i just kept thinking to this labyrinth that you see in saltburn and i was just going up trying to beat my car to hear it sorry you got lost in jurassic parking no yeah yes at universal because they name it Jurassic Park. It's called Jurassic Parking. And every time I go there, I think that person, I hope that person is a billionaire. <laughs> it's. I was just lost after seeing Saltburn and I was so disoriented. And I was like, I just live here now. But uh, I, I'm such a huge fan of yours. When I heard that I was uh, able to talk to you, was over the moon. Promising Young Woman was so uh, such a great, great film. Uh, and this one is worthy of your time. I want you to go see this in the theater, you guys. This is really important. We want more films like this. We want worlds that we can live in. And you are a universe builder. And I am so thrilled to talk to you today. And also, I just want to point out, Margot Robbie produced this film. Lucky Chap, also her company produced Promising Young Woman. What an amazing collaboration that I hope continues forever. Um, But thank you, Emerald, for being here today. I so appreciate it. And 
what a, an amazing piece of work. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I love your podcast. It's amazing. Thanks, Emerald. Oh my God, you guys. I wanted to say one thing. I already recorded the rest of this, but then I remembered I left something out and I wanted to come back here and say it just in case it comes true. So this is a So Bad It's Good prediction. Did you hear that part of the interview where I brought up Britney Spears because one of the characters in it wears the iconic dump him shirt that Britney Spears once wore? So I said, oh my God, Britney Spears, you should direct that movie. I think I said that in the interview. And, uh, you know, there. Uh, who knows? I mean, listen, you can watch it on YouTube when it's out. But check out her reaction. And I know I'm reading into things, but I read this article that said they are optioning Britney Spears' book to movie companies right now. It's about to go up for bidding. And a lot of big names are after that book, right? The book rights to make the movie of Britney Spears' book. And that includes Brad Pitt's company, Brad Pitt's production company. And it also includes that in this article, it includes Lucky Chap. And Lucky Chap is Margot Robbie's production company, which I talk about in this second half, which you're about to hear. But Margot Robbie produced both of Emerald's movies. So what I would imagine, I mean, Emerald seems like she has a great appreciation for Britney Spears and also that period of time. And I would be like, oh, my God, if Emerald Fennell, what she would do with that book, with that visual style, it's something that I'm like, oh, I have been thinking about it since I read that article. And I don't even know if that's a project that would interest her. But I think, I don't know, something in me tells me that that could be a possibility. So I'm going to keep an eye on this and find out who wins the rights or who pays the most for the rights to Britney Spears' book. But could you imagine? I could really see that happening. So that's a so bad it's good prediction. Okay, now back for the remaining portion of the show that I've already recorded. Oh my God, you guys. Could you tell how happy I was during that? I That was actually at like 6.30 in the morning, I think. And I, uh, I, I was like a kid on Christmas, Christmas Eve. Couldn't fall asleep the night before. I was just so dang excited. Um, and I know I'm sure you probably heard that, but man, okay. So let me talk to you a little bit about more about that movie premiere. Cause I just thought, you know, it was really, really cool because there's the movie and then there's the, the periphery stuff that goes around a movie. And we didn't have a lot of that during the pandemic. There wasn't movie premieres. There wasn't these things. And especially because of the writer's guild strike and then the actor strike, which are now both for all intents and purposes over actors are able to come out and promote their films again. In fact, I think, I mean, if I was a guessing man, I would imagine Emerald was scheduled on this and other shows because the actors couldn't speak for the movie. You know, there were certain films that got SAG interim agreements, which allowed them because they would actually follow SAG's demands so actors could speak. But uh, I, I imagine that this was why Emerald was doing the majority of the interviews in the beginning. I think that's going to change now. But my God, I think, I think she's just insanely fascinating and kind of a celebrity unto herself. But, uh, you know, actors promoting movies is exciting. Like I always t- I, I keep saying that of like that kid in Kansas that would watch these actors be interviewed on a red carpet. That would be like, oh, my God, what are they saying? And I know as I get older, some of that magic is a little lost on me 
because, you know, you hear the same questions being asked, you hear all of this stuff. And it's kind of like these little sound bites that are put into us weekly or, you know, any of these other kind of magazines or page six or daily mail or anything. And, and I love that I do, but it is one of those things that I've gotten used to, but it was really, uh, it adds to any movie to have the actors in it, to be able to go out and promote it. And that is why. So initially this screening, the second screening was going to be held at like the Hollywood forever cemetery, which actually sounds weird enough. is a great place to see a movie. They have a summer movie series where you actually watch movies projected on this back wall thing in the middle of this beautiful cemetery. I know it sounds crazy, but actually you're kind of saying that it's kind of potentially where I would want to be buried because if there's a chance that I can still see movies like when I'm dead, that would be truly amazing. Wouldn't it be? A, I mean, it's dark, but it's amazing. But anyways, they were doing this thing through Synespia, which is like this movie, um, like kind of this movie. I don't know how to describe it, but it's a company that does movie events that I think are amazing. They do the Hollywood forever cemetery stuff, but I had gotten invited to that screening too. So I was like, yeah, I want to see that. So then what I think happened, is that the actor strike uh, led up and all of a sudden they put together an actual Saltburn premiere. They put down a Saltburn premiere because they knew they could have most of the actors come out and, you know, take pictures, walk the red carpet, do all of those things that we're used to seeing. And uh, I loved it. I was like, hell yeah. So it got moved from the cemetery to the Ace Theater. And uh, I got all the information. Thank you to the people over at Amazon. Thank you to the people um, at MGM. I mean, I'm just so uh, really just geeked out entirely. But, you know, got uh, got ticket to to go see this. And it was great, man. My name was on the list. And I, I, I listen that. I'm telling you that that is not lost on me. I think that is just the coolest thing in the world. And you go in this beautiful theater, you have the theater going experience. And then after, after that, you guys, there was a, a world premiere party an after party. And it was awesome. But also, you know, before the movie started, all the actors came on stage uh, with Emerald and she gave a little funny speech. Uh, Barry Keoghan, Jacob Lordy, Jacob Lordy, very tall, Barry Keoghan, not as tall. Um, you had, uh, these great actors, Carrie Mulligan was there. Margot Robbie was there. Like I said, all of these great actors and seeing them stand on stage. And I just thought, man, they should all be really proud of their work, but the after party. So I didn't know what to expect. They did. They, this after party, you guys, they, I mean, there was a lot of money spent. It was at this really nice place. Everybody's like waiters walking around with every diff different drink on trays, all these finger food. There was this huge charcuterie board, which uh, we'll be talking about Real Housewives of Salt Lake City on Thursday. Another charcuterie board for Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. I think that brings it up to like 50 charcuterie boards this season alone, but huge charcuterie spread. And it was just fun. It was just fun to be at a movie premiere after party. And I wanted to tell you, I, I've been to premieres in my life. Um, not a lot recently. Uh, I mean, I get really nervous going out to things. And that's why this last couple of weeks, or even since, I guess, a couple months ago, since mom passed, uh, you know, I've been trying to go out and do things that I've been invited to. And everything, every fiber in my being always tells me, no, don't go, stay home, stay in bed, watch TV, you're safe there. But I was like, let's, let's say yes to things. And uh, it was, you know, okay, I'm trying to think of movie premieres. I went to, I, I went, <laughs> I went to the after party for Ocean's Eleven. 
when I was a kid. I went to the after party for Ocean's Eleven, Brad Pitt, George Clooney. Um, I went to the after party for that, and that was a lot of fun. And I was just, wow. And then I remember, remember Scream 3? Scream 3 was a funny experience because um, now that I'm thinking about it, I've pretty much just sneaked into <laughs> sneaked into movie premieres. Uh, I snuck into the Scream 3 after party. And this was like a whole, I mean, speaking of Ocean's Eleven, this was like a whole operation. Me and a group of guy friends, we were like trying to write a script together. And we had somebody that had one official badge for the Scream 3 after party. So what we did is we went to Kinko's and we made a bunch of fake replica badges. And that still didn't guarantee anything. And by the way, if you know me from listening, you know I'm scared shitless of everything. I am so nervous. I'm that guy that never snuck out of his house. In fact, one time I tried to sneak out of my house and I got like 30 steps and I was like, this doesn't feel right. This is against my parents' wishes. And I went back into the house. I was that guy. So to sneak into the Scream three. I mean, I was nervous as hell and we got right in. And I remember that night it was another kind of, it was just great. I remember, uh, I was, I was tipsy cause it was free, free drinks at these things. Uh, I had a conversation with David Arquette where I told him, I wish I could be as funny as him one day. And he was like, yeah, you already are funny. Like he, you know, I, I, uh, had a conversation with him. I remember we had this really this movie script and we wanted we wanted to see if Wes Craven the director of Scream also the director of Nightmare on Elm Street we wanted to see if there was a way we could get him to to read it um and i remember my buddy Brian went into the bathroom this is so bad went into the bathroom when Wes Craven was peeing and peed next to him and go hey we wrote a script can we give it to you <laughs> And he was nice enough. He didn't like kick us. He didn't kick Brian out or like, you know, he was like, you know what? He gave him his card and said, we could drop the script off at his office. And we did. And, uh, and we're all big millionaires now. We're all very successful screenwriters. No, nothing happened. But I remember, you know, when you're young and you're taking every opportunity that you can get and everything is just, oh, it's it's so amazing just to, oh my God. It's just so, the the possibilities are endless when you're young. Anything can happen. The world is your oyster. Yeah, this could happen. You could become a part of the movie business. But I remember that night. Also, that night, I was uh, I used to smoke cigarettes. Yeah, uh, fun. And I would uh, I was in this artistic phase, which artistic phase for me just meant I smoked weird cigarettes. They weren't cloves. They were these things called Nat Sherman MGD MCDs, and they were like a, a thin brown cigarette. And I thought I looked really cool. <laughs> I should have just been smoking Virginia Slims, but I thought they were like really cool. And that night, uh, Brittany Murphy, rest in peace. Remember Brittany Murphy, uh, amazing actor herself. She bummed one from me and then she bummed a couple more. And I will say this. I had this experience with her and Anne Hathaway when I worked at the spa. You can tell why they were successful actors because you would have a conversation with them and it would almost be like you were convinced they were in love with you. You're like, oh my God, she, she makes me feel so magical. Like, and I imagine Brittany Murphy probably went around making everybody feel like that. Cause that, that's just like a talent to make everybody feel loved in some way. Like I didn't know Brittany Murphy at all, but I found myself just like chain smoking with Brittany Murphy at the screen through three after party premiere party. And, uh, I always remember that night, man, that night was just wild. But anyways, Saltburn 
I mean, it was just the DJ was amazing. Uh, they had a DJ. They were passing out like props from the movie. I have this really cool, like I have these beautiful wings because you'll see if you see the movie, there's a party and they're like wearing wings. And then uh, Barry is wearing like this horn thing. They gave out like these horn things, flower crowns, I like a stone, which that actually, the stone actually is a, a, a prop in the movie. Um, and it was just, uh, it was cool. Like, and everybody was having the best time. And uh, there's a song in the movie. I talk about the music in the movie and I think it's just so great because it really hits that 2006 time period. You have a little bit of the killers, cold war kids, block party, uh, arcade fire, um, and there's a song in this movie called murder on the dance floor, which is, um, it's by Sophie Ellis Bexter and Sophie Ellis Bexter was there tonight and sang murder on the dance floor at the premiere party. Maybe I'll put some video up tomorrow. Um, but I just thought, wow, Hollywood is back, baby. Hollywood is back and Hollywood, you know, there it's, it's fun to be around glitz and glamor, but it was great. Um, Listen, Emerald Fennell, I talked to her today and I saw her there. She was, of course, mobbed. Uh, I pussied out. I was going to go up and say hi and say thank you for the interview, but I didn't. So that was kind of my puss out moment of the day. There's at least one that happens every day. So I, I'm bummed out I didn't, but I just didn't want to bother her. But I should bother her next time or anybody for that matter. Um, and uh, OK, so here's some tea, you guys. This Jacob Lordy, you know, very tall, like I said, but. He's dating Olivia Jade. And for you guys who don't know, Olivia Jade, Lori Laughlin's daughter. But she is this, I guess, I don't even know how to, how, how would you guys explain Olivia Jade? She's like an influencer. I mean, she's like kind of a huge celebrity in the social media world. I mean, I don't know how, I mean, she was on Dancing with the Stars. She was on, but uh, she is Jacob Lordy's girlfriend and she was there. She was there. They were in the middle of the room at this little private couch thing. And uh, I got a picture of that. Like, listen, I'm an old man. I'm like, oh, my God, Jacob Elordi and, <laughs> Jacob Elordi and Olivia Jade. I was like, oh, my God. I, You know, it was my Us Weekly freak out moment. But it was great. It was great to see them out having fun. And uh, I thought that was great. I wish I could have talked to Barry Keoghan because I just think what a damn amazing actor. But I didn't stay too late. I think it was there about an hour and then came home to watch Salt Lake and Winter House. And now I'm talking with you guys. But uh, I'm glad to end my day talking with you guys. And thank you. I know this is probably a little bit of a unique episode, which I love doing episodes um, that are not just, I mean, I like that we can go everywhere on this show. I like, I truly do. I think that's one of the special things about this show is that I can potentially talk to you about things that have moved me and maybe you'll go see it. Maybe you'll go read something. Maybe you'll go listen to something. And uh, like I said, I, I, I'm really curious how audiences are going to react to this movie. Um, there are a couple of scenes that it, it really will shock you. Um, there are a lot of scenes that will make you laugh. Uh, there's a coldness to the movie in terms of the family when they get to Saltburn, but it's a really funny coldness. There's so many things that I, and I don't want to give anything away. And they were very, they warned not to give anything away. They said, please do not give anything away. So I don't want to give anything away, but there's some really great aspects of this movie that I can't talk about. 
until it comes out. So I can't wait to hear what you guys think of it when you start seeing it, because I think this movie is going to play for a little bit. And I'm so curious if the Academy Awards will notice this movie. I really, really do. I think the cinematography was beautiful. The performances were beautiful. Her writing is beautiful. Uh, all of that's uh, directing all that stuff. So I'm really curious if the Academy is going to show this movie love, but I think this movie is going to have this life, a second life, a third life, a fourth life. I think especially teenagers will discover this movie. And like I said, at the very beginning, make it their entire personality. I think it's one of those films, like I said, that would have just blown me away, that would have shaped my personality in some way. And not to say that that will not play for us older. Yeah. You know, like not to say that at all. I just think there is a special thing that it speaks to youth and uh, people trying to fit in and uh, friendships and obsessive friendships and all of these things that I think young people grapple with when they are first learning the ins and outs of personal relationships. And uh, it deals a lot with that. So this was kind of a very special episode. We'll get back to all the other pop culture stories because we got tons to talk about a lot of craziness happening in the pop culture sphere, but I wanted to do a little episode about movies and how, how much they mean. And this is that thing where I wish you guys, I could hear you guys right now because I want to know your favorite movies. And on top of that, I want to know your favorite movie going experiences because sometimes your favorite movie going experience is not a good movie is not at a good movie. You know, I mean, like, you know, remember sneaking into movies when you were a kid, sneaking into an R rated movie. Do you remember that? Oh, my God. That was another thing that I was just scared to death. All my my friends in junior high would sneak into R movies and I would be like, I'm going to get we're going to get caught. We're going to get caught. I was the guy like, no, no, I'll just stay back here and uh, just watch this PG movie. I'll just watch. I'll watch Lion King. It's good. It's good. I was that wuss. And I only like went one time and the whole time was a miserable experience because I was just worried about getting busted. And for me back then in Kansas, I not only worried about getting busted, obviously I've told you this week a lot about uh, last couple of weeks about what an idiot I was as a kid. I mean, I think I would be like, oh my God, I'm going to go to prison for this. Like that was how I was like, I don't know what they do to people that sneak into movies. It's probably not good though. Uh, but don't go sneak into this movie. Go pay for it in the movie theater. Saltburn. Uh, this Friday in select cities and then everywhere over Thanksgiving. So we will be back with a vengeance on Thursday with a full Salt Lake city recap. Oh God, I got to watch it again. I watched it tonight and I was like, this is a lot. This is a lot. Uh, did you see that scene with Seth and Meredith doing their podcast? Pretty much a very uh, similar podcasting experience. And by the way, Oh God, I got to figure this out. I think I made a big podcasting boo-boo today. Technically, I don't even know what I did, but I made a big boo boo and I'm going to try to fix it. But oh, I'll share that story with you with you later. Ooh, also, I'm going to be hosting the Jeff Lewis live after show uh, next week. I'll let you know when that is. I think you can call in if you want to chat, ask questions, but I will be hosting the after show. I'm so excited to be asked. Uh, I can't wait to take calls. I've always told you that's like a dream of mine. So it'll be great to host the after show over at Jeff Lewis Live on Sirius XM. So that's it, you guys. You made it through halfway the halfway through the week. So have the best Wednesday ever. We'll talk to you bright and early on Thursday. Ah, I get to finally go to bed. Sulfur. Good night. So Bad It's Good is a Betches Media production. 
The show is hosted and produced by me, Ryan Bailey, with Meditza Lopez and Sandra Fryer. Additional support provided by Sean Kilby, Jorge morales Pico, and Rebecca Steinberg. Guest booking by Ali Friedlander. Video promotion by Laura Valencia. Be sure to send us your emails at SoBadIt'sGoodWithRyanBailey at gmail.com and follow the show at SoBadIt'sGoodWithRyanBailey on Instagram. And for additional craziness, go to Patreon.com forward slash SoBadIt'sGood. Stay bad, baddies. Betches.